0: chapter three of the flying stingaree by harold goodwin this liver recording is in the public domain reading by matt Groy. chapter three orville harris crabber rick brant awoke to the sound of a motor for a moment he lay quietly in his bunk listening the sun through the cabin windows told him it was early in the morning the sunlight still had the red quality of early sunrise he watched the light shift as the houseboat swung on its anchor by the time the storm last night had ended darkness had set in and it was only sensible to turn on the anchor light and remain in the swamp creek cove for the night in spite of his unsettling experience rick and scotty had not been deeply disturbed neither he nor scotty believed in flying saucers at least not in saucers that kidnap people and the object rick had seen had not been saucer-like it had been shaped like a stingaree stingarees don't fly rick smiled to himself during another vacation skin-diving in the virgin islands he and scotty had proved that octopuses don't wail but if stingarees don't fly he asked himself what looks like a stingaree and does fly he realized suddenly that the sound of the motor was louder once again someone investigating the houseboat he swung out of bed the cool air of morning was in sharp contrast to the warmth of his sleeping bag quickly he slipped into shorts and sweatshirt as he opened the cabin door he heard the slap of bare feet on the deck behind him and turned to see scotty regain his balance after dropping from the upper bunk go ahead scotty called be right with you okay rick stepped out into the cockpit and glanced around it was a lovely morning the ever-present birds of the chesapeake area were already active a huge blue heron stepped daintily in the shallows like a stilt walker afraid of falling over the heron was looking for small fish or anything that moved and was edible an osprey the great fish hawk of the bay region swooped overhead on lazy wings sharp eyes alert for a small fish near the water's surface in the pine woods behind the shore marsh a blue jay called its voice like a squeaky hinge the motor sound was distant now and the shore upstream blocked rick's view then as he watched a long low white motor bird came into sight its bow was vertical its sides low there was no cabin amidships was a single man clad in overalls and a denim shirt the man was surrounded by bushel baskets and he held a long-handled crab net made of chicken wire rick watched with interest on one side of the boat was a roller that extended out over the water a heavy cord came out of the water crossed the roller and dipped back into the water again every few feet there was a chunk of something on the cord apparently bait as Rick watched, a piece of bait came up with a crab clinging to it. The neck swooped, and the crab was caught, pulled inboard, and dumped into a bushel basket with one fluid motion. The crabber never took his eyes from the cord. The boat continued in a straight line. Scotty came out on deck and joined Rick. The boys watched in silence while the man caught a dozen crabs, then picked one from the bait, and flipped it into the water. Too small, I guess, Rick commented. Must be. Where does the line go? Rick pointed. A gallon oil can, painted blue and white, bobbed gently in the creek. That's where he's heading. The crabber approached the can, then flipped the line off the roller. Using a lever next to him, he turned the boat and headed toward another can some distance away. A quick pull with a boat hook and the line attached to the can was placed over the roller. Crabs appeared, holding on to the bait as the boat moved along. A quick pull with a boat hook and the line attached to the can was placed over the roller. Crabs appeared, holding on to the bait as the boat moved along the new line. Rick counted. The crabber was getting about one crab for every three baits. Scotty leaned over the cockpit rail there's the end of his line over near shore he'll pass close to us that's why the motor sounded loud rick guessed he moves from one line to another last time he came by the boat he woke me up same here scotty nodded the crabber moved methodically his boat proceeding at a steady pace toward the houseboat as he came abreast he called "Morning." the boys returned the greeting looks like a good catch Scotty called. Fair, only fair. The crabber scooped up a huge blue crab from almost under their noses and went on his way. If it's only fair now, what must it be like when it's good? Rick asked with a grin. Two crabs on every hunk of bait, Scotty said. You count crabs and I'll make coffee. That's my boy, Rick said approvingly. Scotty went into the cabin and left Rick, watching the crabber. Rick tried to figure out all the details. After a short time, he concluded that the floats were attached to anchors of some kind. The anchors kept the crab line on the bottom, except when it was running over the roller. He also saw that there were no hooks or other gadgets. The crabs were caught simply because they refused to let go of the bait. The aroma of coffee drifted through the cabin door and rick wondered why it is that coffee bacon and other breakfast scents are so much more tantalizing on the water the crabber approached on the leg of his journey closest to the boat on impulse rick called come aboard and have some coffee the man grinned without missing his smooth swing at a rising crowd he called back don't mind that coffee smell was driving me nigh crazy be back when i finish this line Rick leaned into the cabin. Company for coffee, Scotty. Heard you got another cup already, in here or out there? Out here. It's too nice to be inside. In a few moments the motorboat, which turned out to be as long as the houseboat, came alongside. Rick took the line thrown by the crabber and made it fast so that the crab boat would drift astern. He looked into the boat with interest covers on four baskets showed that the crabber had collected four bushels of crabs a fifth and sixth basket were half full one with very large crabs the other with smaller ones the crabber swung aboard he was of medium height with light blue eyes set in a tanned and weather-beaten face rick guessed his age to be somewhere in the mid forties he smiled showing even teeth that were glaringly white in his tanned face Name's Orville Harris, he announced. Rick Brent." Rick shook hands. That's Don Scott coming up with the coffee. Scotty put down the coffee pot and mugs he was carrying and shook hands. Call me Scotty, Mr. Harris. How do you like your coffee? Strong and often, Harris replied. Plain black. Call me Orville. Like all visitors, Harris was interested in the houseboat. Been hoping for a look inside he said in his slurred eastern shore accent almost gave up hope you get up late seems like rick glanced at the sun must be all of seven o'clock you call that late been here since four it's late for me rick showed orville harris through the boat then sat with him and scotty in the cockpit sipping steaming coffee the crabber talked willingly about his business not much profit he reported but it beats working after hearing about a crabber's life rising in the middle of the night rain or shine working crab lines and hauling baskets around until noon rick wondered what harris would consider hard work having spent a dollar for six steamed crabs a few nights before he was also amazed to hear the crabber report that he received only six dollars a bushel for jumbo crabs and three dollars a bushel for culls, or medium ones. All under four and a half inches from tip to tip were thrown back. Rick waited a courteous length of time before asking the question that had been on his mind since hearing the crabber's name. Are you any relation to Link, Harris? Sake cousin. The blue eyes examined him with new interest. Where'd you hear about Link? At the Narrows, Scotty replied. We were talking about flying saucers flying catfish harris said scornfully you swallow that yarn didn't you rick asked quickly not any that why you picked this creek to anchor in when there are so many nicer ones upstream scotty explained we ducked in here to get out of that squall last night we didn't exactly pick it afterward we realized where we were why don't you believe the story about link harris rick wanted to know Oh, I believe some of it. The crabber took out a blackened, much-used pipe and stoked it. Link disappeared, all right. We found his boat yonder. He pointed to a spot on the marshy shore. He didn't drown? Rick pressed. Harris shrugged. Not very likely. We'd have found his body. Way the tides were that day, there was no ebb tide strong enough to carry a body out into deep water. The creek was clear we'd have seen him then where did he go scotty demanded can't say when he disappeared i went to baltimore and bought every book on flying saucers i could lay hands on all i know for sure is that what folks have been seeing around here ain't saucers shapes wrong colors wrong and they don't move the way the books say would you say they were diamond shaped dark in color with tails rick asked carefully Harris stopped with a match halfway to his pipe. I would, for sure. When'd you see one? Last night, right here. Hmm. Harris got the pipe going well and threw the match into the water. I've never seen one close. Hope to. That's why I crabbed this creek. Would you say it was big enough to catch a man? Rick shook his head. I didn't get a very long look, but I'd say definitely not unless it had some kind of powerful motor i couldn't see or hear harris puffed silently any theories, scotty asked not one i'm barren as the flats in winter rick finished his coffee and put the mug down on the cabin top would link have gone away of his own accord i wouldn't think so harris accepted more coffee from scotty but let's keep one foot anchored who knows what's in a man's mind any man sometimes there's a deep channel full of black water and nothing to make you suspect it maybe link did walk off it would be the easiest explanation if you hadn't seen something last night i was about to give up now i'm not so sure what you saw came from somewhere and it was going somewhere if we could find out whence and whither, so to speak we might have an idea what happened to Link. Harris drew erect. Right. Speaking of whence and whither, what's your destination? We're visiting a friend, Rick answered. He lives on Martin's Creek, on the south side of the river. Name is Ames. Harris nodded. I know who he is. Washington man. Has a summer place. You've met him? Scotty inquired. So to speak. We howdied, but we haven't choked. Rick smothered a grin at the picturesque phrase. "'I'd better get back to Crabs,' Harris said. "'I'm mighty grateful for the hospitality. "'You get to town, look me up, and give me a chance to return it.' He shook hands with both boys, pulled his boat alongside, and stepped aboard. In a short time, he was running the crab lines again. "'Interesting,' Rick said, noncommittedly. "'Scotty chuckled. Here we go again.' sherlock Brant's got his teeth into a nice fat mystery Goodbye, vacation rick had to grin it's not that bad he said defensively i just thought we might sniff around a little that's what i thought you thought come on hawkshaw let's get some bacon and eggs on the fire and haul anchor okay rick checked the chart we're only about twenty minutes run from steve's place If we eat here, he won't think he has to feed us breakfast. Consider it, Scotty agreed, grinning. I can see you now. You walk up the dock, shake hands, and say, Glad to see you, Steve. Don't bother about breakfast. We've eaten. By the way, have you had any trouble with flying stingarees? Rick grinned back. Not bad predicting. Actually, I was going to wait for the right opportunity, then say wonderful hunting and fishing country steve by the way when does the hunting season open for flying stingeries scotty laughed okay only let's get going i want to see how he answers chapter three